Hey, movie fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast. This is episode 59, our favorite comic book hero slash characters. Uh, basically, Heather and I like the good guys. So today we're going to talk about our favorite heroes in all various forms of comics. Uh, you'll you'll see what we mean by that when we get to our main discussion. Uh, but first of all, Heather, how are you doing tonight? I'm all right. How are you doing? Enjoying the weather. So we're we're in the Florida area, and it got quote unquote cooler. It dropped maybe what five ten degrees at least. Well, in the morning it was like upper fifties and lower sixties. Morning meaning like seven o'clock and maybe till like eight thirty. It was great. It was nice. And we got to see who the wimps are that we work with that are just like, oh, it's so cold. It, it It's not cold. It's wonderful. Um, winter doesn't exist in Florida, which is sad. But um, it was nice to get some cooler weather. So we have a ton, and I mean a ton, of movie news. We got a bunch of trailers to go over, um, some speculation, a bunch of news to cover. Um, so, But before we get to any of that news... It goes without saying that we had a big deal that happened fairly recently on Tuesday uh, with Disney Plus being launched. Um, so Heather and I have had a little bit of time with it now. I've had a little bit more time than she has. Uh, so kind of want to give our just general thoughts and impressions of the service for the time, what it's at right now. Um, as it stands right now, I really like Disney Plus. For the most part, and I think my main issues that I have with the service are things that will be resolved in time. Um, my only real complaints with it is um, certain device compatibility. We have a Vizio TV, and we like to Chromecast stuff, so like play it off of our phones or tablets onto the TV. It is not available for Vizio Chromecast for some reason. There's not like an app, uh, like a Disney Plus app yet. Uh, but an issue that I have that's actually bigger than that, because uh, I'm fine with watching it on other mediums, is uh, there's some lag slash delay issues of, like, things will get paused and, like, we'll refresh uh, a few minutes later. And I think that's more or less just because it's new, everyone's still um, on the service, like, all at once, and so they're trying to get the proper bandwidth and just get used to kind of guesstimating how many people are going to be on it at a given moment. Uh, but compared to some other streaming services that I've been on, like Netflix or WWE Network, the connection is actually fairly strong with Disney Plus, as well as like the quality. Like I don't, it doesn't get grainy or dissolved. It's pretty solid internet connection uh, in terms of content, second to none. I'm rediscovering a lot of old classics like Out of the Box, uh, Even Stevens. And then discovering some new stuff that I'm really excited for. Uh, I loved The Mandalorian, the first episode. I'm also very excited to see the direction of the, I believe it's called the Imagineering story. So basically the people that make the magic in the Disney parks, those creators, uh, the history of that, I'm very much excited for. Um, Heather, you've got some time over the past past few days uh, with Disney+. Plus. What are your general impressions? What do you like about it? What do you think can be improved etc i first off i really really enjoy it so far i haven't seen too much but i do i do say 
I like how it's organized. It is organized by there's a Disney section, there's a Marvel section, there's a Star Wars, there's, you know, by TV show, by movie, by original, by Disney Channel original movie. I like that. My brain works well with that. Um, so far, I have watched, of course, because I grew up with Lizzie McGuire. I watched a couple Lizzie McGuire episodes, and I was like, oh, well, this is fun. It's, you know, it's from my childhood. And I've started to watch that encore. It is really good if you, I think it's maybe one episode per per week or something like The Mandalorian. Yeah, any of the original mm-hmm. stuff will be dropped, new episodes every Friday, I believe. Mm-hmm. And I also, it sounded cheesy at first but i kind of like it i watched the first episode of the high school musical the musical whatever it is it's like the it's like these teenagers who are at the east high but it's not like troy and gabriella they're like in the high school that was played like the location and so they're doing an audition to see, okay, who is going to be Gabrielle? Who's going to be Troy? Who's going to be all the characters in High School Musical? Because the school is going to do a musical on it. And it's just, it's kind of, what is that word when it's kind of like a reference within a reference? There's lots of those. Meta? Yeah, that's definitely it. It's kind of meta. It's kind of dorky, but it's it's actually pretty good so far. So I like that. I like that there's all the options for the original Disney Channel original movies or the classic Disney movies and I'm really excited. I want to see The Lady and the Tramp, the new the new one with the rescue dogs. Yeah, I uh, there's so much content to break down um because I always like to see what's coming next. Uh I hadn't even thought about this until earlier today. Where's the Indiana Jones movies? Um is that are those on Netflix? Because there's certain titles that are on Disney Plus that'll be available later at a later date. Like Black Panther is like this title due to a pre-existing contract will be available March 5th or May 5th, 2020. And there's other titles like that. I think it is Netflix. I think that's uh, why I remember it. Yeah. yeah, I know Black Panther is. I think Indiana Jones might be there too. I, I would like to see Indiana Jones in 4K on Disney Plus because they've 4K... Um, upscaled quite a bit of their content more than they advertise which really makes me happy so if you want crystal clear picture for a lot of your favorite disney movies there's a good chance that that's going to be the case um there's certain ones that i'm i'm really excited that are on there and then there's still other ones that i'm i know will be on there in time i've said before buzz Lightyear of star command needs to be there at some point uh, but the one that I will scream from high heaven needs to be there, and more people need to watch it because it was great in its time, uh, was the famous Jet Jackson. Not nearly enough people remember that great, great show, and I want I want to be able to relive it. I remember really enjoying it. I bring back that, the famous Jet Jackson movie. All of it's great. Um, as a whole, I just really enjoy Disney+. Plus. I like how he- what Heather said. It was very it's organized. It's very easy to understand and find what you're looking for i like the collections so like if you search they'll be like here's the marvel collection here's the skywalker collection here's the darth vader collection which is like certain star wars movies and then rebels uh so on and so forth i like that um i would like to see more personalized suggestions going forward of just like hey you liked this movie now give this movie a shot kind of like what netflix does except netflix has always been terrible about it um I would, I'd like to see that going forward, just more, like, personalization of... There was a little bit of that. 
uh, I don't think that changes from person to person, though. I think uh, it would be like, these are your recommended uh, ones. I'm okay. just like, they're what re- they're recommending to you. Uh, going forward, I like more, like, based on, because you watch this, we recommend this. Uh, maybe some more personalization of just, like, uh, icons. Because there's a lot of logos for when, for your profile. I kind of wish there was a little bit more. I'm the Mandalorian, Heather Simba. I I would like a Woody. There's a Buzz, but there's not a Woody yet. Um, but that's really, really minor nitpicks. As a whole, Disney Plus has been great so far, and I look forward to many, many more years with Disney Plus and seeing the f- future content that they deliver on. That being said, let's now transition into... Uh, movie news, kicking us off with four movie trailers uh, this past week. We got a bevy of new trailers. Most of them, I think, are pretty good. Um, first off is one that I have been waiting for for quite a bit of time now, and I was beginning to worry because we're getting closer and closer to this movie's release date, but now we finally have it. Uh, Lee Winnell's The Invisible Man. So I don't necessarily feel like this is a remake or a reboot of the original because it feels very different from the original Universal Monsters um, one with Claude Rains from way back in the day, which Heather and I both very much enjoy. And we talked about uh, last week, that first picture. And I was just like, oh, finally we see something. And then I said, within a week or two, I bet you we get a trailer. Um, I am on the fence about this trailer. Before I give my thoughts... Uh, Heather, I know you weren't as big of a fan of the trailer as I was, uh, but what was your general thoughts with this Invisible Man trailer? Mm, I just didn't... It just seemed off. To me, it seemed a little creepy, like... Uh, well, it is a horror movie. Yes, but I... Like you mentioned, I originally... I, I genuinely liked the original um, Invisible Man. I thought it was just a neat concept, and I liked, you know, all that. But this one is just... I don't really know. I didn't like it. Can Do you know what it was specifically or just kind of this uneasiness in it that you didn't like? It was definitely uneasy for me personally. And I didn't like that. The, it was just like it was completely invisible. In the original, it was like the, the man like, you okay, you put a sheet over where his head was and he had the glasses and like he, it was kind of dorky and it was kind of funny. But it made it work. Like, oh, okay, I'm going to go do these things and go escape the house and whatever, hotel or whatever it was. But the, just, I don't know. In this one, it was just like, oh, it was something was happening. Oh, and then it was like the breeze, the wind, and because he, he was invisible. But it just seems, aw, weird. I think there's some great... Um tension that's built in it like there's certain scenes of like really well shot that I could tell in the movie itself will be really well done um of like him like Heather said like being right next to her and like kind of breathing down her neck but he's invisible so you can't see or him messing with her stove I'm very conflicted about this movie because while I believe there will be an invisible man I this trailer really plays up this whole like is she crazy? Is the Invisible Man real? Or is it all in her head? To which I'm just going, come on. that that I'm not a huge fan of that because embrace the fact that he's an Invisible Man. I don't like this whole, there's a chance, there's an outside chance that she's actually just making all of this up. 
which that that could be a cool premise, but not for an Invisible Man movie. You, you got to play the classics with a little more respect than that. And I think ultimately the Invisible Man will be real, but I I don't like the angle this trailer took of like there's an outside chance that she's just making this up and he's slowly just trying to make her go crazy from beyond the grave and he's not actually there at all. I'm I'm not a huge fan of that. Um, and some people took to social medias because that's what they do and we're just like, this trailer gives away way too much of the movie because admittedly, it is a very long trailer and it does give away quite a bit. Uh, but director Lee Winnell also took to Twitter very quickly after that. And it's just like, if you think this movie gives away, if you think this trailer gives a lot about the movie, you are dead wrong. There's still a lot of surprises left in this movie. Um, that is fine with me. I, I didn't mind the trailer. I'm still super excited for this movie, but I, I wasn't too keen on this trailer. I think there's some great moments of tension. I think the horror will clearly be there, but I, I wasn't a huge fan of this whole, she might actually be crazy, and the Invisible Man may not actually exist. Um, now, I haven't t- discussed this with Heather ahead of time, but there is something I kind of would like to see in this movie, and they kind of teased it. Um, so, Heather brought it up very briefly. The The classic image of the Invisible Man is him in the bathrobe with the bandages around his head uh, with the really cool goggles. I want, at some point in this movie, for him to have his face with the bandages and the glasses just that classic look now there's a quick shot in the trailer of somebody being wheeled out of an emergency room with bandages around their head we don't know if that's going to be the main guy or not but with those iconic looks of like you know how dracula looks you know how vampire how vampires how frankenstein looks how wolfman looks i i want an updated version of the invisible man with the bandages and like how in the original movie there's that great scene of claude rains doing his great laugh while he's unbandaging his head and you can see that there's nothing away and then there's an inspector look he's all eaten away of seeing him like unravel the bandages that's a cool shot i kind of want them to do something similar in this movie of taking away the bandages and seeing that there's nothing there some something along those lines some form of nice callbacks to the originals um now we got some other trailers None so intense as the Invisible Man. The rest of them are more family-friendly. And nothing is more family-friendly than Scooby-Doo. Or in this case, Scoob. Which, to me, that just makes me think, did they just run out of Scooby-Doo-related names to go with? Because we've had Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Dooby-Doo, I think, has been one of them. Um, So, Heather, I'll let you kick us off. What did you think of this first trailer for Scoob? I actually, I enjoyed it. Um, I really liked the animation. I thought it was new and it was bright and it was lively. Um, just very fun. Fun for the whole family. Um, or, you know, young adults that grew up on Scooby-Doo or certain generations that just loved it and watched it with their kids or whatever. Um, it was funny. I thought some of it was actually pretty funny. Scooby had a couple lines in there that was really you know they they were funny and I know you'll mention too about like his voice and stuff like that but and how he talked a lot but I did like Scooby and I liked all the characters I think Velma was Velma's voice felt Velma and, and Daphne too even and I don't know I think it looks like a fun movie and I was gonna say 
Like you mentioned Scoob. Oh, that sounds like. But he like Shaggy calls him Scoob a lot in the in the original um, just cartoons. But I don't know. I I think it's going to be a good movie. Yeah, I I think by and large, for the most part, this was a pretty good trailer, except for some minor nitpicks. As a I'm naturally I'm a huge Scooby Doo fan. I grew up with it. I've seen. Almost any of the incarnations from Scooby-Doo, Where Are You, to What's New Scooby-Doo, even suffered through a pup named Scooby-Doo. Um, I did have some weird minor nitpicks of, there's a scene where Scooby first meets Shaggy, uh, yeah, Scooby first meets Shaggy, and Shaggy adopts him, and the cop's just like, what's his name? Scooby-Dooby-Doo? And my brain just immediately went, that's not Scooby's name, that is something he says, his name is Scoobert. Mm-hmm. Um... Scoobert do Rogers, I believe, because yeah. Shaggy's last name is Rogers. Rogers. And also, um the movie I think the movie kinda gets this wrong of they're like all more or less the same age. That's not true. Shaggy's actually like a couple of years older than everyone else. Shaggy's the oldest. Um Which leads me to my biggest gripe about the whole trailer. I am not a fan of the Shaggy voice. Um Heather nailed it on the head of Velma sounds like Velma. Daphne sounds like Daphne. I have been a big proponent of Zac Efron as uh, Fred for a long time, even when I thought this movie was going to be live action because uh, I thought he would be a really good cocky Fred because Fred is kind of that character. And it sounds like he's going to be a good Fred in this. Um, Scooby, you can't mess that up. It's still the regular voice actor, Frank Welker. Great job. Um, Will Forte is shaggy. I think it's because... Um, there's been so few voice actors that have played Shaggy. It's all, In my lifetime, I only really have known Casey Kasem and Matthew Lillard. Ever since the live-action Scooby-Doo ones from, what, 2002, 2003, Matthew Lillard has been the voice of Scooby-Doo. Now, I get if you don't want to go with Matthew Lillard, but you could get at least a little bit closer in voice to him. This Shaggy, it, it never really f- sounded like Shaggy. Um, animation-wise, he looks great. Um... The animation in this looks amazing. We were rewatching the trailer before we were recording for this, and it looks a lot like uh, Peabody and Sherman from a few years ago, although I think this movie will do better at the box office than Peabody and Sherman. Um, I, for the most part, like this, minus the shaggy thing, and I think Scooby talked a little bit too much, like full sentences, but Heather was also right with the humor thing of... I, we've seen this trailer a few times now, and every single time, Scooby's got this great Ikea joke of all things. I burst out laughing every single time he does that. I think that's a really good joke, really well told. Uh, I think Shaggy kind of talks a little too quickly after that, of just like, there should have been like an awkward pause of, wait, did he really just say Ikea before jumping into the next line? Um, but that could just be the trailer speeding things up. Minus the Shaggy thing, I'm... As a Scooby-Doo fan, I'm hyped for this just because it's been so long since we've got a live-action Scooby-Doo. Not a live-action. It's been so long since we've got a theatrically released Scooby-Doo movie. And it's been even longer since we got a good one. So, I'm excited for this movie. I think the animation looks gorgeous. I think most of the voice cast looks amazing. As long as it is a good mystery and a good story, I'll be all there. Because at the end of the day, that's what Scooby-Doo is all about. is having fun adventures, but still telling a good story now good story is something pixar really strives at and 
their next one seems like it really may hit it out of the park with Soul. So Soul is the next one coming out after Onward. So it's those are going to be your two Pixar movies for next year. I still don't really know what to expect with Soul story-wise, but at least for a teaser trailer, this got me really, really interested. Heather, you saw the trailer for Soul. What are your initial reactions to it? I I liked it a lot. <clears throat> I don't remember the first trailer. Is this the second one? Nope, this is the first. This is oh. a teaser trailer. Uh, I liked it. Um, I just wanted to say, like, I liked... Like Nathan, I know you mentioned it just to me, but the music sounded really good, and, and I feel like because it's a, like about different people trying to find their passion in music, I think, or just showing their um their true interest. I have no idea what this movie's uh, about, honestly. I feel like it might go into individual stories, and um, there was one in the trailer. There was a man who was playing the piano, and there was someone playing. Um, some sort of horn and things. I feel like it might go like their daily lives. I don't know. I'm just kind of thinking out loud. But like their daily lives and we're like, oh, okay, you know, on the side, I really enjoy this. And then just uh, see how they can uh, perform their passion and just express themselves. So we'll see. It looks really, ni- really nice. I remember saying to you when we were watching the trailer, oh my gosh, the beginning of this trailer has some of the most crisp and gorgeous animation I yeah. have ever seen. Like... Uh, for the first couple shots of this trailer, I genuinely forgot it was an animated movie because it looks so realistic. And then when you see the people, you're just like, oh, yep, that's definitely Pixar yeah. people. Um, but the animation looks amazing. And then when you kind of get into, I'll call it the soul world, when it kind of looks more like inside out, uh, the detail in those characters, like you could still see it like it's clearly a hard defined edge in the main character's glasses, but the edges of him have this great detail and softness in their texture. It it looks amazing. So, um, the little bit that I know it's it's gonna have a lot of jazz music. Um so I I expect this to have really good music. I'm I'm very much excited. I wasn't really on my radar uh, it, I was more. I've always been more excited for this than Onward, and that's mainly just because Onward's marketing hasn't really been that great, and the present premise of Soul seemed interesting. But after seeing this first teaser, I'm very much intrigued by this movie, and I want to see more. I wouldn't be surprised if we get a bigger trailer, maybe for during like Frozen or Rise of Skywalker, uh, one of the big Disney ones coming out. I think this could be really, really interesting. I don't know what to expect, but I. I like that about it so far of not knowing what to expect. Uh, So lastly, for trailers at least, we have one for a movie that should have come out by now had there not been a massive outcry that needed the movie to be redone. So naturally, we're talking about the Sonic movie. So when that first Sonic trailer came out, the internet lit up of, oh my god, does Sonic look awful? And he did. He had human teeth, and it looked like a rejected character from the new Cats movie. And, oh boy, it looked real bad. So they went back, and they changed up a lot of the CGI for Sonic. And I'll say, they improved it significantly for the better. I can immediately tell that this is Sonic. It will not give me nightmares. And it looks a lot better. Um, I don't know if I'm convinced about the rest of the movie though but as far as character designs it is night and day I think Sonic looks a lot better um Heather 
What did you think about Sonic's design this time around and the new trailer for this Sonic movie? I think the design looked pretty good. I mean, it looks a lot better than the original. Um, I think this movie looked... I think the trailer looked better in general. Um, I personally, I played Sonic a little bit growing up, and I loved all the sounds in the trailer that resembled the original Sega Sonic games. And that's why I asked Nathan during it, I'm like, is Tails going to be in it? Is Tails? Because that would be cool, having Tails in it with Sonic. But I really appreciated that. And also, um... I'm trying to think a little bit. But this was a side note. I was just like, why is James Marsden in a movie where he's talking to Sonic the Hedgehog? Because the only thing I could think of was he's he's in a movie like Hop talking to the rabbits, talking to the um the Easter rabbits, the Easter bunnies, whatever they are. I'm just like, this is odd. It felt a lot like Hop in terms of very much for kids yes. and a, it it feels exactly like hop and not in a good way i don't think at times i mean i i this i know i mentioned this i think kids would like they would like the trailer and want to see the movie i i don't know i mean i'd probably see it eventually but we'll see i don't think it's really geared towards our young adult people yeah, I I don't think it's targeted for the Sonic fandom, which is probably a good thing. Cause, um, I will say though something that I had issues with for the first trailer, and I have issues with for this trailer that just leave me going. That is a choice, and you made that choice, and you have to live with it. And that is whatever the heck Jim Carrey's doing as Doctor Robotnik. Um, I've never been on a big fan of Jim Carrey, and. The past few years, he's made some real weird choices, and he just looks really out of place in this already really out of place movie. There's a lot of really you you just look really, and I don't even really know how to put my finger on it. I've just really this is what we're going with for the main villain. I get that Doctor Robotnik is kind of a goofy villain, but really. Not overly convinced by this. Um, if we're getting tails in this movie, which I don't know if we are, we better also get Knuckles because Knuckles was my favorite character. Uh, I don't think this will be great, but I applaud them for their new design of Sonic. I don't think this movie will be amazing, but like Heather said, I could see it being more targeted for kids who may have grown up playing the Sonic games or have more of a connection. Uh, I played more Mario games than Sonic, but I'm still familiar with him, so if it if I'm hearing good things about it, then I may give it a chance. If not, red box it goes. Yeah. Um Well that's it for trailers. We have three more news topics, um, and then we'll get into our main discussion. We have one that uh actually broke earlier today of recording, and it pertains to something that I care very deeply about, and that is the Uncharted franchise. Uncharted Media. Shocker. Um, so, we know that Tom Holland's Uncharted movie is scheduled to come out uh, December 18th of next year, even though they haven't started filming. I've, I've been convinced for a while that they're going to push back production. But the train may slowly be gaining momentum as we can now add another actor to the cast. This time, Mark Wahlberg. 
as Victor Sully Sullivan. Um, hmm. Let me make sure I have some distance before I do this. No! This is not a good choice, people. This is a very bad choice. This is... No. Okay. Heather's just going, oh, okay, because... She has seen me play them a little bit, but she's not overly familiar with the Uncharted games. We're going to go through them before the movie comes out. Um, so, let me give you the full history of why this is a bad idea. In 2006, I believe this is even before the second game had even come out, David O. Russell, a uh, well-known director, was scheduled to be making an Uncharted movie with Mark Wahlberg as Nathan Drake. I thought that was a bad idea then, and I still think it would be a bad idea now for Mark Wahlberg as Nathan Drake. His personality doesn't really fit. Um, at times, Mark Wahlberg can be a really good character. I really like him in The Other Guys. Um, but a lot of his other stuff is very hit or miss for me. But he's always the Joe Cool, I'm the tough guy in the room. And that's not who Nathan Drake is. He's the everyman. When he punches somebody, he winces in pain because a punch hurts. He's the guy with really bad dad puns uh, who enjoys being a treasure hunter. And that has never screamed Nathan Drake to me. No, that's never screamed Mark Wahlberg to me. So he was originally supposed to be um, Mark. He was originally supposed to be Nathan Drake. I hated it then. I hate it now, but I hate it even more because Victor Sullivan, Sully, is like Nate's mentor. And there's a very specific character type that Sully is. And Mark Wahlberg is not it. Sully is kind of, put it gently, he's like a discount Sean Connery type character of like kind of a suave, kind of sleazy old guy. He's... He's even older when we first meet him in flashback scenes in Uncharted 3. He's older, and I get that we're getting, like, a younger Nathan Drake, so we're naturally going to have a younger Sully, but not this young. Uh, he doesn't have the right personality for Sully. Sully, you need an older guy that, frankly, has just had it and just wants to retire. Maybe, like, a Bruce Campbell or a John Goodman, um... I get that Tom Holland is a younger actor. I still will defend that casting. That That's a not a bad choice. Mark Wahlberg as Sully, I will fight till my last breath. That is a huge miscast. That's a very bad idea, and it screams to me of, well, Mark, Mark really wanted to be in this movie, but we already casted Nathan Drake. Um, I could just see Mark Wahlberg going, well, I want to be in this Uncharted movie. How can I be in it? Oh, you already got your Nathan Drake? Oh, I'll be Nathan Drake's mentor, yeah? We go and find the treasure, yeah? We do it. No, that... I think it's just of... Oh, sorry, we got the main role. Well, how about you do this other role? It just screams to me of why this movie has not been made so far, and it's it seems a lot like the producers of the movies have been butting heads with the directors of the movies. The directors want to make it more like uh, the games and more be more representative of what the games are like, whereas the producers wanted to make it more like a certain Hollywood standard, I guess, and I'm just, I'm not a fan of it, I don't agree with this casting in the slightest, I don't think this is a good call, uh, but watch me be proven wrong, but also, I don't think this movie's actually happening next year, I 
still think it's going to be released summer 2021 after it gets pushed back for delays. Um, switching gears quickly to the world of comic books, Matt Reeves' Batman has slowly but surely been uh, gathering up its cast. He just officially announced Andy Serkis as Alfred, even though that was something we already knew. And now he seems to have added a new cast member in up-and-coming actress Jamie Lawson in a mysterious role. So, um, I told Heather about this, and both of us are kind of scratching our heads. So, this actress just recently um, graduated from Juilliard, so a really prestigious acting school. She doesn't even have her own IMDb page yet. She's a very up-and-coming actress. Um, Heather, when you hear this name that none of us have ever heard about, and she's only really ever had Broadway experience. What is your first thought when you when you hear this? Mm-hmm. Honestly, I would give give her a try. You know, I don't know, like Nathan said, we don't know anything about her, but she's fresh out of college. She's She's willing to try something, so give her the effort. Yeah, I, I don't know. She's certainly young enough. Now, there is some... There's a quote-unquote character description. Apparently, she's going by the name Bella. That's, like, the secret name that they're giving her. Bella and, like, an up-and-coming politician type, which I'm just going, interesting. That doesn't sound like any character I know, but they could be gender-bending her and making her some form of a Harvey Dent type character. But I think the age and the... Um, nationality fits a little bit better for her to be the daughter of Jeffrey Wright's Commissioner Gordon. If she were to be Barbara Gordon, a.k.a. Batgirl, I'd, I'd be very curious about that. And that could also explain why they're keeping her uh, character so under wraps so that it's like some big reveal. But I know they want to do a Batgirl movie at some point. So I don't know if they would give a full-on future franchise to someone that just graduated from Juilliard that doesn't even have a whole lot of acting credits yet. But I could be wrong. Uh, and then the other thing with the Batman that's getting some heavy rumors is that we will get our first look at the Batsuit by the end of the year. And it's going to be a biggie. Apparently, I may not be that far off in my predictions that I've been saying forever. Um, there's rumors right now that the Matt Reeves Batsuit will be the classic blue and the gray and will have uh, the white eyes from the comics. Yes, yes, a thousand times Yes, I have been calling for this for the longest time. And ever since uh, Matt Reeves said it would be more of a noir detective story, I've been clamoring for this blue and gray because when I hear the 70s and 80s noir style uh, Batman comics of that time period, I immediately think of the blue and the gray Batsuit. But I've also thought with almost every live action Batman besides Adam West having some variation of a black or a black and gray type suit, What's the best way for Robert Pattinson to differentiate himself by going blue in the gray? Now, I think there's easy ways for it to be intimidating and not look too Adam Westy. Um, but Heather, you hear Robert Pattinson may right his bat suit may be the classic blue and the gray. What's your first thought when you hear that? Mm, I like that idea. I think it has not been um, showed shown very often, especially in live action. Um, I think it brings back the more classic look and more gets more people wanting to at least give it a try. Now, this may sound like a weird question, but if you were in charge of costuming for this new Batsuit, 
Would you go short ears or long ears for the bat suit? I think maybe long, just to try something different. Yeah, I I would be curious to see long like, uh, when, in from like the seventies to the nineties, Batman had like ridiculously long ears that really hasn't been seen on screen yet. So I wouldn't be surprised if we get something similar to that. Um, you know, what also I think of when I hear blue in the gray suit is my all time favorite bat suit of all time. One that I actually have the cover for, Batman 615, done by Jim Lee from the Hush storyline. That's just as straightforward as you can get. A blue, gray with a black symbol in the middle. I would be all on board for that. That's one of my favorite Batman pieces of art ever. And I've I've liked the blue and the gray forever, and I've wanted it. So it'd be nice to see this be official. Um, so for our last bit of news for the week, it seems like we may be getting more Scream films in the franchise being distributed by someone I honestly have never heard of, uh, Spyglass Entertainment. Um, okay, um, Heather, you hear Scream 5. Is that something that at all interests you, or are you think it's a franchise that is that it's okay to be done? I think it's okay to be done. I feel like it's it's a little past due if they wanted to do something like this. And I'm just, I don't have much interest. I think, I don't know. It depends on how much of the original cast they get back. Like, Scream lives and dies by how much you have uh, Sidney Prescott in it. Um, I have thought for the longest time, if you do a Scream movie, make Courtney Cox the killer. She's always been the annoying news reporter character, and that'd be one of the great covers would be if she got away with murder, essentially, and was able to cover it up because she's a news journalist. Plus, I've just never liked her character. Um, I, I'm i okay with it. We, it's been a while since we've had a movie. I think the last one was 2011 or 2012, and then we got that series. I, I tried to give it a watch, and I just couldn't get into it. Um, but I, I enjoyed the Scream films, all four of them, actually. Uh, some are significantly better than others, but I quite enjoyed the Scream movies, so I'd be okay with revisiting them. It all depends on how much of the original cast you get back. Do you get Nev Campbell? Do you get Courtney Cox? Uh, do you get David Arquette? How many of them do you get back, and what's the story? Do you continue it? Uh, do you spin it off somehow? And how self-aware do you make it? Like, horrors changed since those first couple Scream movies happened. So, how Scream has always been about being very meta in horror for its time. So, how do you make it meta in 2019 or 2020, whenever this movie's coming out? How do you make it meta for its current time period, if that makes sense? Uh, Well, that'll about do it for news. Uh, For a sponsor this week said it earlier we'll just go with disney plus if you haven't signed up for disney plus already do it it is a worthy investment at seven bucks a month um and there's plenty of comic book characters to be enjoyed on disney plus that being said we're going to talk this week about our favorite comic book heroes now this is going to be across various mediums so not just their comic book appearances but their those respective characters' appearances in movies, in TV shows, in various TV shows in some cases. Um, So, just because we like one of their versions, we have to take in all different versions into factoring. Uh, Case in point, for me, my number five 
is Raphael from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I say this because Raphael first got his origins, along with his other brothers and Master Splinter, in the pages of Eastman and Laird's comics of Ninja Turtle of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles back from the 80s, uh, and which are radically different than everything else that preceded. Of uh, these were black and white, dark, violent, edgy comics. I never really read those. I was first introduced with uh, Ninja Turtles with the 2003 series, and right off the bat, Raphael was one of my favorite characters on that show. I really, really enjoyed his work. Well, his work. I, I don't know. Something about him just oozed cool. <laughs> Ooze. Um, uh, and then I went back and watched all of the all four. Yes, all four of the original Ninja Turtles movies, even the terrible one with Venus de Milo. And through all of that, Raphael still proved to be my favorite character of the team. I loved his dynamic with Casey Jones. I even liked his dynamic within the family. Like, his relationship with Mikey is different than his relationship with Leonardo. Uh, His relationship with Master Splinter. It's all different. I liked his character. Um, Whenever I played the game on Game Boy Advance, he was the one character that I played more than anybody else. Raphael's always held a very special place in my heart, as do the rest of the characters on this list. Um... But, Heather, who was your number five on your top five favorite comic book heroes? I actually, I didn't do research, but I was just like, you know, I don't want to do all superheroes because I do like a variety. So my number five is Snoopy from Peanuts, you know, classic Snoopy. I always love Snoopy because he's just, he laughs at himself and he falls off his little, the little um, doghouse and he just is like... He's the comic relief when Charlie LeBrown needs it or when Charlie doesn't think he needs it. Um, he's very classic, and he's he's the same um, in every medium, and I, I just enjoy him. Would you give an honorable mention to Woodstock, or are you just more of a Snoopy person, just straight up? Oh, no, I'd give an honor, honorable mention to Woodstock, because Woodstock's just Woodstock, too. Is, is there, like, a little... Woodstock. I always felt like there was like Woodstock, and then there was like a little smaller version. Little birdie things. I think sometimes they come out. I don't know if it's just like oh, and when they're being silly, I don't know. But I, I think you're right. Like, there's a rue to mm-hmm. um, Woodstock's Kanga yeah. for those Winnie the Pooh fans. Um, Heather, what is your number four? Um, my number four. Um, I've been flip flopping trying to decide. Between my three and my four, but I'll just go with my original number four. Um, it it they're four. My three and four are very close, but I picked um Barry Allen, Barry Allen's Flash. Um, I just I remember a few years ago Nathan Nathan got me um I believe his New Fifty Two Flash comic book, and I very much enjoyed reading that and learning more about Flash. Um. I love that Barry Allen is just, he's just typical, typical guy, and he, he loves food, he loves to run, you know, that's part of his gimmick, or gimmick, is that what you call it? Yeah, that's a gimmick. Yeah, he is just fast, and he just runs, but he's very nurturing and caring to his friends, and to his, uh, would you say adopted family? Um... So I think How would you say that? His mom is the one that died, and I think his dad is still alive. The family that he's living with, correct? Uh, well, he doesn't live with anybody. He's an adult. Okay. He's married to Iris. Well, uh, okay. I mean, I'm meaning when he's like younger. 
I'm thinking a mixture of like the show and then in the comics. So I'm just trying to decide. But anyway, I just like his character a lot. And whatever it's in the comic, actual comic, comic or in the Flash TV show or whatever. I just I like um, who Barry is. And I'll I'll piggyback off of that. Um, he's not on my list, but if I had like a top ten, Barry would probably be like six or seven, um, because I like just the black and white. This is good. This is bad yeah. type characters, and Barry very much is that. And he's one of the most, besides maybe Superman, he's one of the most pure hearted of any of the heroes in DC. To the point that just like, um. One of the best compliments uh, they've ever given Barry in the comics is uh, Batman once told him, uh, Barry's the type of man that I hoped I could have been if my parents hadn't died. Um, But Barry is just that like eternally good but eternally hopeful character that I really enjoy Mm -hmm. and look up to. Um, I think my favorite Barry Allen moment of all time has nothing to do with Flash himself. It didn't even happen in a Flash comic. It happened in a Green Lantern comic. And some of you know where I'm going with this. Um, In the story arc called Blackest Night, in which case, um, for lack of a better term, the the world is getting taken over by um, Black Lanterns who are more or less zombies. Like they're bringing back um, different dead heroes and villains to cause mayhem and more or less destroy the world. So in times of need, the different colored lanterns need to seek out other people that fit them. So green lanterns, there's other lanterns besides green lanterns, and they're powered by different things. Like green is willpower, red is rage, orange is envy, but blue is hope. So they make these kind of emergency rings, and the blue ring of hope goes to Barry Allen, the Flash. So we get this blue Flash, and he proving that he's like one of the most hopeful characters around and that's such a cool moment of seeing him along with the other characters that got their rings of just when the even in the darkest moments Barry's still hopeful and seeing a blue flash was super super cool it's one of my favorite moments I really just enjoy Blackest Night as a story arc um and yeah I would love to see it on the big screen, but it's way too complicated to try and condense down and would take a lot of time to explain. Um, so, my number four is another very, very hopeful DC character. I have a lot of DC characters on the list. Shocker. Um, I have another... Yeah, number five was Raphael. My number four is a very hopeful and optimistic hero, even if hope and optimism is what some people ding him on nowadays because they think he's too cheesy and outdated, but I don't care. I will defend my Superman any given day. I stand on this hill that Superman, in the year 2019, is one of the most underrated superheroes out there. Why? Because still to this day, people seem to think that he's outdated, he's overpowered, and that makes him uninteresting. For those people that think that... I've always heard this great argument. I completely agree. Anybody that thinks it's easy to be Superman never realize how hard it is to be good. Superman is wholly good. There's just black and white. He's that good old-fashioned farm boy who knows what's right and sticks to his guns even when everyone else tells him no. If you guys like Captain America but don't like Superman, you don't get it. Captain America and Superman 
are the same character. They're propaganda pieces that were created in World War II to boost American morale, but ultimately, one is beloved now because of the MCU, and the other one is still kind of viewed as overpowered. I love Superman because he sees what's good in the world and still chooses just to be that beacon of hope. That's what a superhero should be. I've loved a lot of the stories from All-Star Superman, uh, even to most of the death of Superman. I just... Superman... um, Is it... Secret Origin, that's it. I love Superman's Secret Origin. I just think as a character, he doesn't get the dessert the respect that he deserves in 2019 because he's not as edgy or doesn't have as much of the cool factor as some other people like the Punisher or Batman. Um, But I think Superman is long overdue for some respect and it still bothers me to this day that we're not getting Man of Steel 2 because I love Henry Cavill's Superman, but it doesn't seem like that's going to be happening. I just want more Superman and I want more good Superman stories to tell because I think at its core, there are stories of hope and I think No matter the time, the world always needs more of that. And I think now more than ever, we need hopeful characters that are just wholly good. With The world around us becoming more and more negative. We need something universally positive. That's why I'm so excited for the Mr. Rogers movie. Because that's a wholly good person. Wholly good characters can still work. They don't need a dark edge to them to be interesting. And I will... Oh, it's a rant that I always go on of Superman is still an interesting and compelling and wonderful character and if you say otherwise it's because you probably don't actually know the character it's not easy being Superman having the weight of the world basically on you at any given time he ah it's just I love Superman I want more of him in the mainstream yes he's got that just everyone knows the symbol but I just want more good Superman movies, just more good Superman in general. I know a lot of the popularity goes to Batman just because he's got that cool factor, but I love them both for different reasons, but I, I want Superman to get more love. Um, so that that's my long rant on it. I could go on that all day. Um, but going back to Heather, Heather, what's your number three? Again, I wanted to pick a variety um, I really like Hobbs, like from Calvin and Hobbs. Um, I read these a lot when I was young, and I was just just recently kind of just um just looking at him again, and I really like him because Hobbs, even though technically he's Calvin's like stuffed animal tiger, um, but Calvin relies on Hobbs for many things for friendship for positivity for just for hope again the theme of hope because Hobbes ever he's very optimistic Cobb uh Cal sorry Calvin is very like he's kind of like oh you know it's raining today oh it's it's colder today it's fall oh the leaves are changing colors and Hobbes is like yeah the leaves are changing colors let's go rake them and jump in them you know that's just kind of character he is and even though like Calvin might get in trouble or have to go do chores because what his parents say like um, Hobbes is like yeah we'll we'll get them done and then we get to go have fun afterwards you know he is that um he is that um just that joyful spirit and what Calvin needs and I I like him a lot because he's he's a hero he's imaginary but he's hero to Calvin and on the flip 
completely flip side of this. My number three is someone totally different. Batman. Uh, this was one of the ones that I like really grew up with. My number three and my number one are ones that I like were always really close and or tied for my uh, just favorite because I those are the ones that I grew up with. Um, Batman, I have been all across the board with. I've been really big fan of Batman. Wasn't like just kind of fell out of it for a little bit. Then the Dark Knight hit, and ever since the Dark Knight, I've just lived and breathed Batman. I love Batman stories. Uh, so my earliest recollections with anything related to Batman was. Batman animated series, like a lot of other kids my age, but I distinctly remember uh, it was always on Cartoon Network and it followed the Adams Family TV show. So Adams Family was on from like three thirty to four or four to four thirty, I forget. And then right after that, you'd hear the classic opening music to Batman animated series. Uh, and then you'd like hear the horn in the background, and a great intro. And you're just like, yes, it is Batman time. And I remember loving the show and revisiting it as an adult. It's actually gotten better. It's a really well-crafted, just masterpiece of a show. Um, multiple Emmy award-winning shows. Though. So that was my earliest memories. I didn't really read a lot of Batman comics until I got into junior high and high school. Because um, I remember in high school, there was an animated movie that came out. I hadn't really watched a lot of Batman animated movies. Uh, I watched like Mask of the Phantasm, Mystery of the Batwoman, and Return of the Joker because I had like a three-pack of them um, along with um, Batman, Mr. Freeze, Sub-Zero because those were all on Cartoon Network like all the time. And then I would watch like The Batman from 2006. Um, But then I remember in maybe 2011... An animated movie came out that one of my classmates had seen, and I was tempted about tempted to see it, but they said it was really, really good. So I saw it. Heather's immediately going to go, oh, yep, as soon as I say it, Batman Under the Red Hood. That was partially responsible for getting me back into Batman. Of uh, That, coupled with Dark Knight Rises, which was just kind of okay, but I actually saw that like six times in theaters. I saw a bunch just because I love The Dark Knight so much, and it's one of the most influential movies in my life. And so, the sequel to that, naturally, I gotta see it again and again and again. Um, but The Dark Knight Rises, couple that with The New 52, which Heather talked about earlier. Uh, as a comic book fan, I look back and realize The New 52 is not great. But I will always credit it, because it really got me into the world of just comic books in general. Like, I grew up watching a lot of the shows, but I never really read the comics. I read comics for my number one, a lot. Um, I never really read Batman comics, or just DC comics, but... I've really started reading and going more into the history of the characters, just exploring the world, reading the comics. So I've read the most stories that I have comics wise, I have for Batman, like um, Dark Knight Returns, Long Halloween, um, Hush, Under the Red Hood, The Court of Owls. Like I try and have a good variety of Batman stories that are all across the board just because I think for better, for worse, all the good writers go to Batman, which kind of leave everyone else kind of high and dry. And DC has always kind of revolved around Batman, for better or for worse. But as a Batman fan, I've always thought that was a good thing. Um, I've loved the character of Batman and his many incarnations. That's one of the things I really enjoy about the character is it's always up for interpretation depending on who's making him. You can have him, um, depending on who's making it, you can have completely different takes on the character. Um, But over time, and through Batman, 
I was able to discover a character that I liked and identified more than Batman, who eventually leapfrogged Batman in terms of my likes and interests, all the way up to my number two, the man who at one point was Batman, Dick Grayson. So for any of you who have listened to the podcast for more than maybe one episode, you know my love for Dick Grayson, a.k.a. Nightwing. Now, I would say just Nightwing on this list, but that would kind of shortchange the character because I like all incarnations of the character. So for those that don't know, Dick Grayson originally started off as Robin when he was adopted uh, by Bruce Wayne after his parents died. He was originally a circus performer in Haley's Circus uh, in the Trapeze. Then when um, Tony Zuko killed his parents for them not paying up for to the mob, um, his parents were killed. So he gets adopted by Bruce Wayne, becomes Robin. And after, I think, eight years of being Robin, him and Batman have a big disagreement about something. And he goes off to do his own thing. He joins... Well, he was already with the Titans at the time, um, but he takes on his new identity that he got his name and inspiration from Superman, of all people, tying it back to Superman, of Nightwing. Uh, One of my most prized comics that I have is the first appearance of Dick Grayson as Nightwing in Tales of the Teen Titans, number 44. Um, I just love the character of Nightwing. It's it's harder to explain, um, but he's... All the things that I loved about my number one pick and my number three pick merged into one. You've got the no powers of Batman, but the acrobatics and joke telling of my number one, which that should kind of give it away there. Um, But also the very human relatability of like a Barry Allen of uh, this Dick Grayson always has cared about people. Batman, it's mission first. Save the day. Worry about people later. Um, Try and limit the casualties. Whereas um, Dick Grayson cares about people. He's a very empathetic character. He cares about people. And I really relate to that of just like, I want to help everyone that I can type of thing. I've always identified with that. I've, I've always thought the Nightwing suit is one of the greatest design suits ever. So long as you forget about Disco Nightwing, um, let's forget about that one, or New 52 Nightwing, he's kind of been all over the board costume-wise, but um, he's one of my favorite characters, and the cool thing that I love about Dick Grayson, among many others, is he's one of the few characters in all of comics that was allowed to grow up. In comics, Superman is more or less, for the most part, the same age, Batman's more or less the same age, whereas Dick Grayson... You see him grow from a kid to a full-grown adult to ultimately filling in the shoes of his own mentor. When Batman, quote-unquote, dies in the comics, Dick Grayson has to step up and be Batman when the city needs him most. He needs to accept the responsibility that he never even wanted. He had to step up and more or less become the man that Batman always trained him to be. Um, There's this... I've always wanted a Nightwing movie because there's a lot of great storytelling possibilities of the father-son dynamic because, yes, he may be an adopted son, but Bruce has always treated him like he was his own son, for better or for worse. They've had their spats. Um, I could just go on and on about Dick Grayson all day long, I whether it's Nightwing, whether it's Robin or his Batman. I actually really enjoy his time as Batman when he was working with Damian Wayne as Robin. Um, it's all good to me. I just, well, most of it, 
there's a couple story arcs I won't go into here, but let's just say not all the Nightwing comics are great, but as a character, it's one that I think is supremely underutilized in um, mainstream. It's nice to see him in more stuff like Young Justice and the Arkham games and Teen Titans, but let's give the man some live screen, uh, live action adaptations, please. I I am not so patiently waiting anymore. Um, I could rant on this all day, but I'm going to toss it over to Heather for her number two so I don't talk all day on this. Mm-hmm. All right. So my number two goes back to another Peanuts character, which is Charlie Brown. I always liked Charlie Brown in every classic um, movie I saw, and Charlie originally originated in the comic strips in the newspapers, just like Snoopy, obviously. But I just always admired Charlie because he's just like, oh, he thinks he's average. He thinks he's just like, oh, I'm just uh, I'm just a boy. I have my friends and I have my dog. But I'm just, I'm just there. Like, sometimes he's just, like, he's always, he's putting himself down, but I don't think he means to. And he has to have encouragement from Snoopy, from all his other friends, from whoever, whoever, to just be lifted up. But he, he is a good, he's a good boy. He is a good, you know, oh, good boy, Charlie Brown. I believe that's a movie or something. Good job, Charlie Brown. And like, I don't know. He just You're a good fellow, Charlie Brown? Something like that. There's a lot of different movies. A lot of like ones I've I've found out later in life, like, oh, okay, they made that, apparently. But yeah, no, he's just he's a good character and he he knows right from wrong. Again, with the moral issue with all these characters well, most of these characters they have they have morals and they have values and they you know, he goes along and he um, he goes to school and he respects his teacher, he respects his parents, you know, the, the interactions we hear from them and he wants to do well. He wants to do well. He wants to keep trying and have effort. I just know his, with his kite or with his, you know, when he's playing baseball or whatever is his Halloween costume, whatever it might be, he always just wants to try. And I think that's a good message for kids or adults to have. Yeah, I've, I've always liked Charlie Brown. Actually, believe it or not, uh, Charlie Brown is not my favorite of the Peanuts characters. I have, I think it's tied, and it, you'll never guess. Um, who? When I say I have two favorite Peanuts characters, who do you think they are? Franklin? No, I care more about Franklin the Turtle. I know, I know. Okay, how about um uh uh Linus? That's one. I and the do, other? I do like him a lot um because he has a blanket and I like blankets. But um Linus and uh what is his name? Schroeder. I mean Schroeder's fine, but uh-huh. what's the other one? My other one's Pigpen. I've always liked Pigpen for some reason. Because he's just happy-go-lucky, and he's like, I don't care if I'm dirty. I'm going to go play, and I'm going to go have fun with my friends. Yeah. Yep. Linus and Pigpen are the real best characters of Peanuts. Uh, Well, that'll bring us to our number one, which I debated for a long time. uh, What was going to be my number two and what was going to be number one, but push comes to shove, my number one, Unless things really, really go downhill, which this character has had its ups and its downs over the years, um, 
I don't think this character will ever not be my number one favorite comic book character of all time. And it's both Heather and I's favorite. Both of our number ones. And I think it's a lot of people's number one because he's impacted a lot of us. Spider-Man. Um, what can we say about Spider-Man that hasn't already been said? I think the reason why there's so much of this like tug of war between Sony and Marvel and why the name Spider-Man has always been so valuable is because it means a lot to so many people because a lot of people see themselves in the role of Spider-Man. I think the genius that Stanley and Steve Ditko did with uh, Peter Parker is he's one of the most relatable protagonists not just in comics but one of the most relatable protagonists in any medium of he's so human and relatable it's not like a batman of something breaks and he could just buy a new one or he owns everything if something happens to the spider suit there's plenty of comics that i grew up reading of him having to sew his own suit back together which quick side tangent i that's something that bothers the ever-living crap out of me in these uh, Tom Holland Spider-Man ones is that his suit is more of a Stark Tech suit. I'm like, no, he makes his own stuff because he has to fix his own stuff more often than not. Mm-hmm. He makes his own web shooters. He makes everything else because he's a genius. He's a smart yeah. kid, and I feel like that's really undercut in these new ones. Mm-hmm. That being said, Tom Holland is still my favorite Spider-Man, and he's the best. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll rant a little bit more on it later, but Heather... Why do you love Spider-Man? Why does he mean so much to you? Well, the first one, I just, just kind of go off of that idea. Like, yeah, he does create his own his own suits all the time. And I think that's often because, for one thing, he is, like Nathan said, he's very smart and creative. But he was kind of just grown up that way, you know. He lived with his aunt and uncle. And, like, I think he's just, he had to be more resourceful because he didn't have mom or dad to rely on. Um, he just had to do what was best for him and he had to do what was best for especially later in the comics you know in the comics he had to do what's best for Aunt May and just how he was he was a nurturer and he was a caretaker of her and how he just like Nathan said he's just a good a good solid person and a good solid um superhero in the comics in the movies in whatever you may um find him as um I just appreciate that he is he is he is he likes to have fun he likes to laugh but he's very very smart and he's going to be the one person or even you know as Spider-Man he is going to be friendly neighborhood spider-man you know he has his friends he's not super popular but he wants to be that person that people can trust and people that can go to if they just are having a bad day um that you could see that throughout through and through always that's that's just who peter parker spider-man is i really like that um you know whatever you hear the same storylines over and over his origin story but I think it is important to know his origin story know where he came from because I feel like that that makes you think okay where did I come from how do my story like and how I grew up and like all these different things happen to me but you have to realize you know with Spider-Man like he's just like yeah he he has a lot of responsibility he has a lot of things he has to deal with but he's still gonna be his true self his true genuine uh, character and hero. 
You talked about origin. That's actually something. I think one of the best things that they do with the Tom Holland Spider-Man is they completely skip the origin because they're just like, after all these movies, you know it by now. And I will still go back to his introduction um, in Captain America: Civil War as one of the single best understandings of Spider-Man. Of uh, when we meet him, he just dumpster dived for a new keyboard because he doesn't have money. Spider-Man's always been broke. I hate any form of Spider-Man story where. It's going to sound horrible. I hate any Spider-Man movie where he's... Any Spider-Man story that he's successful. Like, if he... Um, there's certain comics where, like, he's... Mary Jane's a model, and he's married to Mary Jane. I've I've never been a huge fan of that, because... Once Spider-Man becomes the cool guy, he loses some of his charm. Of Spider-Man is the outside dork. Mm-hmm. Of... Yes, Mary Jane's always been the extroverted one, and that's another thing that I kind of have issue with with Zendaya's MJ is MJ's always been an extroverted character because she helps get Peter out of his shell, Um, and having them both be introverted just kind of doesn't work as well for me. I like her character, which is not as MJ, Um, but I've always liked um, Spider-Man because he's always kind of been that nerdy dork, which was and still is me. Uh, but especially growing up, I was never the most popular kid, but I read a lot of Spider-Mans and like the way that the Spider-Man comics were always were presented was just like, he's a character that used his brain to figure things out and the comics like always celebrated. It's okay to be smart. And I, I appreciated that of a lot. There'd be times it's just like it. It doesn't really help you to be super smart, but like the Spider-Man comics made you feel like it's okay because Peter's smart. You can be smart, um, but also just be a good person. Um, I have always liked the dichotomy between Peter Parker and Spider-Man. Of Peter Parker kind of has to do the Clark Kent thing of like pretend to be sheepish and introverted because he knows he can just lay out anybody. Um, but then when he puts on the mask, he becomes smarmy and sarcastic. Like, his jokes are just great. I I appreciate puns. Yeah. Um, and anybody that says puns aren't part of Spider-Man superpowers, no, they totally are. Super puns are a Spider-Man thing. Um, but it's, it's wish fulfillment. Everyone wishes they were Spider-Man, but at the same time, they don't because of all the immense responsibility. It, Spider-Man takes everything on his shoulders, even when he doesn't have to, which is something I sympathize with way too much of spider-man takes on these like jobs and responsibilities that he really doesn't need to and he could probably leave to other heroes but he's just like um that's something i also feel like the tom holland movies just nail is he cares about the little people first he'll always be there to like be there for the big save the world events but in far in homecoming he does all these like little things which that's spider-man of your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. He's a street-level hero. He's there looking out for the little guys, and that's a really big thing, I think. Of Yeah, I think it's cool when a superhero can be like Superman, of, like, move planets if they wanted to. And don't get me wrong, Spider-Man is super strong in the comics, but it's his relationship with people and his not overlooking the little guy. That's, that's a really big thing for me. I've always just loved the character Spider-Man. Um... That's why mm-hmm. I get so passionate about, like, the Sony Marvel deal of just, like, I'm tired of the character getting ripped every which way, like, he's the child of divorced parents or something, like, you're coming here, no, you're coming here. It's just, like, can we 
can we just settle down and treat the character with respect? Um, because he's one of the most beloved characters. Uh, everyone loves Spider-Man because he's just a good kid that anyone would want to be friends with if we even acknowledged that they were there. Yeah, I was just going to go, Just I thought of something when you were saying stuff, just uh, repeating that, because it is true of Spider-Man is a good character. But, um, like, he was the underdog, so he went after the underdog. And I think Nathan and I could both kind of relate to that. Because, like, uh, growing up, I was very much like, eh, I didn't care about being popular or whatever. But I, like, found my, you know, I found my good nature and my good heart in helping others. And, yeah, just taking care of other people because that's what I was you know raised to do like you just care for other people you have compassion and you have empathy and that's what spider-man will always be yeah and so i was really tempted to like my top three batman nightwing and spider-man any given day any of those could be my number one but when i really sat back and thought about it it was just like when it comes to knowing the world i know the spider-man world like the back mile on hand um i've read way too many spider-man comics i have way too many spider-man comics um it's not an exaggeration i have probably at least what 300 spider-man comics that i got from my uncle at least 300 um i have big encyclopedias i just spider-man is a character that i could never get enough of as a kid and now as an adult i cannot get enough of the character either just because he's that eternally hopeful character that we all would like to be and they never shy away from the difficulties of the character. That's why I said the more the world presses down on Spider-Man, the better of a character he gets because that's when he really shines of doesn't let the things get to him. He acknowledges that things are hard. Um, whether it's like, I could use this money to help Aunt May or I can use this money to get a new camera, which would help me get better pictures for the bugle, um, so on and so forth. But also, it's not just Spider-Man, but the world of Spider-Man is so good and so easy to fall in love with. Of Yes, I love Spider-Man, but I also love me some um, J. Jonah Jameson because he is the perfect antithesis to Spider-Man. Um, but, it, like, I just love the world that he's in. J. Jonah Jameson, Doc Ock, Mary Jane, Gwen Stacy, uh, Harry Osborn, Norman Osborn, Craven the Hunter, Mysterio, it, all of it. There's just so many years of investment that I just love about Spider-Man. And just, I don't know. I can never really quantify what it is about Spider-Man so special that really impacts it to everyone. But he's just that kid that we all wish we could be. And probably have been at one point or another. Um, Heather, you got any last minute thoughts about the web sling? Are you ready to bring it home? Um, I just... Again, I just really appreciate um, just all that I can learn from Spider-Man and just how I want to learn more and just look at more and read more comics. Like, I know Nathan has a lot, so I'll have the opportunity and I can do it elsewhere, but I want to read more comics just to know the different um, avenues and adventures and different problems that he faced throughout his young adult and just throughout his life good enough 
well, what are your favorite comic book characters? Let us know in the comments below. We always love hearing from you guys. And as always, if you like what you hear and you want to hear more, subscribe to us on whatever audio platform you're listening to us on, whether that's Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, or YouTube. And if you haven't already, subscribe to us on the main YouTube channel at Uncharted Media. And as always, stay sharp, movie guys and gals.